0: So you've got me thinking, okay, well, if the patient's disease are caused by food, what's causing the food? So then I'm thinking, okay, well, what do I need to do as a functional medicine doctor? I need to go to the root cause. And then it became clear to me that it's, it's hard.
1: Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Welcome to this special masterclass. we brought some of the top experts in the world to help you unlock the power of your life through this specific theme today. It's going to be powerful, so let's go ahead and dive in.
2: Did you know that more than 113,000 children are waiting to be adopted from foster care? Ellie was one of them. When she was placed in foster care at 16 after experiencing significant abuse, she felt unlovable. Thankfully, Ellie was adopted with help from the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption. Today, she's planning on college and has a bright future, but more than 20,000 teens age out of care every year. You can help. Visit DaveThomasFoundation.org slash learn more. You have a vision for your business. Your priority might be to expand facilities or bring in the best talent. At Century Insurance, we listen, learn, and work to understand your business and your plans to help protect your new locations as your business evolves and your vision comes true. Century right by you. Property and casualty coverages are underwritten and safety services are provided by a member of the Century Insurance Group, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. For a complete listing of companies, visit century.com. Policies, coverages, benefits, and discounts are not available on all states. See policy for complete coverage details.
1: How many different types of diabetes are there? Okay, And how
0: is it caused? Okay, okay. So type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune disease. Pancreas fails. It's used to be called juvenile diabetes. Uh, And you need insulin. It's just it's, you need it. It's, you need insulin. If you have type
1: you, one diabetes, you need insulin. You need insulin. Yeah, to your pancreas what?
0: dies, because your pancreas makes insulin and helps your blood sugar uh, get balanced. Keeps that's the blood. It's sort of like gatekeeper that lets the the glucose into your cells. Okay, so it's really important. Um, so, how does that die? How do people to, die from that? I mean, how does the pancreas die? Oh, well, it's an how does it get to disease. that point? It's an autoimmune, like, auto, like you get multiple sclerosis or arthritis. It's, it's basically your body attacks your pancreas. Is that and, from and, eating a lot of bad foods? Uh, well, there's been links to dairy and actually is an, a driver wow. of type 1 uh, diabetes. Gluten, 29% of people who have type 1 diabetes have celiac that are undiagnosed. So, wow. celiac is a big cause of autoimmune diseases, okay. including type 1 diabetes. So, that's a very small number of people, Okay. very few. Um, one out of two Americans have what we call type two diabetes. We used to call it adult onset, except now kids as young as three are getting type two diabetes from drinking soda from the crib. I mean, oh Lewis, my I, I, was, I was working in, when I was a resident <laughs> in an urgent care center and this woman comes in for back pain she got her baby in a carriage and I see her feeding this baby this brown liquid in a bottle who's seven months old. And I'm like, what is soda? that? I'm like, what is that? She said, that's Coca-Cola. No. I said, why are you feeding your baby Coke? She said, well, uh, he likes it oh my gosh oh my god listen I, my, my wife showed me this this uh video on on uh, on the social media the other day it was of a baby it looked like it was maybe eight or nine months old baby having ice cream for the first time oh having sugar for the first time and you watch the baby eat the ice cream i light up the ice, <laughs> and then the baby like I grabs the thing and like stuffs <laughs> in his face i was like oh my god it was just so crazy and it's it's highly addictive so uh, yeah. So, so now we're seeing one in two Americans suffer from either pre-diabetes or type two or type two diabetes. And and, and that is when you eat wow. too much sugar and starch. And every time you do that, it raises your insulin. Your body becomes resistant to the insulin and so it doesn't work as well. So you need more insulin mm-hmm. and insulin does what? Insulin makes you hungry. It makes you store belly fat. It locks the fat in the fat cells and it slows your metabolism. It's like a quadruple threat for your body to gain weight. So it's why we're seeing, you know, and that goes back to what we're growing, right? So why are we eating all this food? That it's because that's the food we produce, mm-hmm. right? And so that's the other part of the problem. So we have the chronic disease, we have the economic impact, and then we're like, well, why do we have this food? So as a functional medicine doctor, I'm always asking why. Right? Well, why are my patients sick? Because it makes money, right? Well, no, I'm, yeah, but, but I am going right, even right, further, why, like why I got sick? interested in this, because as a, why would a doctor care about agriculture and soil and all this crap? Because I, as I was thinking about my patients' diseases, most of them were caused by food and can be cured by food. Mm. Something well, well if it's how many? Are, by, how many are most of them? Is this like
1: fifty percent, seventy percent, eighty percent of can anyone I, that comes into the hospital yeah. or your
0: patients yeah. who the has patients. some type of disease or yeah. some type of sickness? I mean, unless it's like an environmental thing, like mercury or lime or mold. You know, most of the things. Cancer, cancer, right. cancer is caused by food. Really, seventy percent. Seventy percent of cancer is caused by food. And sugar is the number one culprit. Heart can, disease, can, diabetes, Alzheimer's, heart disease, the big killers. Are now, by sugar and food. Yes. Yes. So if you
1: change your diet, you should be able to cure, prevent. Those. Ha- prevent or cure sometimes. Sometimes mm-hmm.
0: cure, depends how far yeah. along things are, yeah. I guess. Yeah. But you can prevent heart disease, Alzheimer's. 100%. Yes, 100%. I mean, the studies are there. It's crazy. Even people already have Alzheimer's when they improve their diet, they can wake they up more They get more get functionality yeah. back. So, so you've got me thinking, okay, well, if the patient's disease are caused by food, what's causing the food? It's the food system. And I'm like, well, what's causing the food system? It's our food policies. Like, mm. what's causing our food policies? It's the food industry that's lobbying Congress. It's got money. It's the biggest lobby group in Congress is agriculture and food. Oh, by yeah. far. Like, by twice as much as the next... Uh, lobby group by like gas and oil or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly right and it's like what so then I began thinking well if I'm going to help my patients I can't do it in my office I, I can it's like it's like I'm I'm like in the boat bailing the boat with a hole instead of plugging the hole Right. you're not, you're not so, going to the source right so then I'm thinking okay well what do I need to do as a functional medicine doctor I need to go to the root cause right the root cause and why and then it became clear to me that it's it's our our agricultural system that's driving so much of the problem and, and the what. We grow has been based on good intentions. That we're in the 50s and people were hungry. There wasn't enough food. There was a lot of poverty, and so we we figured out a system to produce an abundance mm-hmm. of starchy calories, so we can have food. So not we can starve. have food, and we were great cheap. at it. And we have cheap, abundant corn and wheat and soy, which are the commodity crops that are turned into industrial processed food, which is now 60% of our diet. And for every 10% of that you eat, your risk of death goes up by 14%. Oh, yeah. So you're crazy. So you're basically, you know, feeding Americans a diet we know is going to kill them. The research is so clear on this. There's no scientific debate, and yet we don't do anything about it because we have these dysfunctional food policies. And then the way we grow the food causes climate change, and we'll get into that. But the number one cause of climate change is our food system, really. People don't realize that. I didn't know it. I'm like, right. oh, it's oil and, you know, gas and all this stuff. I'm like, But what is it? Is it the trucking? Is it the animal feces? And is it, and is it okay, the... so first of all, deforestation is oh, devastating. Wow. Not only do we, like, destroy the soil on which we cut down the trees, but the trees are carbon sinks, so we lose that. So they're not sucking in the bad air they're sucking putting out good dioxide Right. I mean, basically, plants suck out carbon dioxide. That's yeah. what they breathe. We breathe oxygen. They breathe carbon dioxide. So they're a perfect antidote, right? Yeah. And then... The soil also—we're damaging, by the way—we're farming. Mm-hmm. We've lost a third of our topsoil. Mm. It's responsible, and people don't know this, but of all the greenhouse gases in the atmosphere, the loss of soil organic matter, like healthy, rich soil, is responsible thirty to forty percent of all greenhouse gases currently in the atmosphere since the industrial revolution. Does that mean? It, why is that? Does okay, it like suck Be- up? Does because, it suck? Because soil is—it can hold more carbon. Than is in the atmosphere right now. Like, there's a trillion really? tons of carbon wow. in the atmosphere, which is a lot. I don't know a trillion tons. I don't even know how to measure that. Uh, and the soil can hold three trillion tons of carbon. And how does it do that? It's an ancient carbon capture technology that is available all over the world. That's free. Free. <laughs> that uh, can be more effective than all the rainforests on the planet, than all the forests and trees on the planet. It's called photosynthesis, uh-huh. and, it, and that if you have like grasslands, for example, like we had big prairies in the United States, they suck down carbon, they breathe it, and they put it through the plants, into the roots, feeds the mycorrhizal fungi, which then make healthy soil, feeds the bacteria, and you get this incredibly rich live soil that holds wow. tremendous amounts of organic matter that is carbon, right? I mean, carbohydrates... Comes from the word carbon, mm. which comes from carbon carbon dioxide. Wow! Right? Ding, ding, ding. It all connects. And, Interesting. And so we've
1: lost. We're, we were so t- we don't have the soil for it to consume. Yeah. Then
0: we it just bounces off back into the yes. air. I guess,
1: and we're consuming yes. it
0: in other ways. Yeah. And 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 the soil can hold so much carbon. The UN estimated that if we took the five of the five million hectares of degraded farmland around the world, if we took just two million of that and spend 300 billion, which is the total military spend for 60 days mm-hmm. around the world, which is not much. Yeah. <laughs> 60 days, two months of everybody's military spending. We literally could stall climate change by 20 years Wow! because of putting back, back the carbon in, in the soil. Uh, and, and not only that, it holds water. You see mm-hmm. the, you know, in, 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 in Iowa in and in the Midwest, there was floods that just destroyed a million acres of cropland that otherwise could have been fine if the soil could hold the water, but it just sits on the top where it runs through and we lose all this water. So that when you have organic matter in the soil, it holds 27,000 gallons for every 1% organic matter in the soil per acre. So it's, it's an incredible water sink, it's a carbon sink, and we've lost all these soils and it's because we're growing these commodity crops in ways that destroy soil. soil. We're tilling gotcha. the soil, we're turning over soil erosion, it runs off into the rivers, uh, it, it, we kill all the life in the organic matter by poisoning it with fertilizer, right. with pesticides, with uh, glyphosate, herbicides, and, and it's, it's staggering. And then we have all these sort of unintended consequences. You know, we, we started growing all this food and we thought this agricultural revolution was great, all these chemicals are great, you know, fertilizer's great, we can do all this good stuff, Tractors, big farms, more food, right. feed the world. Uh, it's backfired on us. Wow. And it's producing the worst food on the planet, that's causing devastating environmental damage, staggering climate change. So it's it's the soil loss. It's you said deforestation. It's the factory farming of the animals, which is should be banned. <laughs> right. It's the transportation, storage, refrigeration, and the food waste. I mean, food waste in a lot of waste. Yeah, but, well, we we waste forty percent of our food. We believe that's on our plate. We don't ma- eat imagine it. going to the grocery store, buying a bunch of groceries, take and getting home and throwing forty percent in the garbage. The average Americans. Wastes $1,800 of food a year, and it's about a pound a day, uh, and that goes to landfills. The landfills, then it rots and creates methane. So you could be a vegan throwing out your food waste and scraps, and you could be contributing to climate change. If food waste for a country, it would be the third largest emitter of greenhouse gases after the US and China. Wow. Yeah, it's methane to produce, uh, and, and we need to compost. We need to have community garden. There's like always to fix it. But it's, it's like, when you look at the whole end-to-end food system, it is the number one source of climate change, about 50% of greenhouse gases. And people just don't appreciate that.
1: So why, I mean, if this information is public and it's out there and
0: policy makers are aware of it, they're, not, just, they're not, they're not aware not, of no. it. I, I spent two hours on a sailboat this summer with a Senator, a smart Senator. He mm-hmm. wasn't aware of it. And I, I literally, his jaw was hanging open the entire time. And then I presented with this research and no. information. No. Because, because they got so much money sent to them by well, the lobbyists probably. Right. I mean, listen, if all the people who are walking in their office are Monsanto and Cargill and you know, McDonald's and Pepsi right. and, like, and they're all donating millions of dollars, I would say billions of dollars. Um, they're not hearing the other side of the science. And, you know, how do you how do you fight that? So, you know, I always I should deride at lobbyists, but I, I plan on, you know, creating a food fix campaign, which is a nonprofit, along with an advocacy organization to start to literally lobby senators, congressmen, wow. key people in the administration around these issues and start to drive policy change. Because in the UK, and you were talking about, I think in Australia, New Zealand, there, or in, I
1: think in Asia, you were saying that, you can't do certain things with the food; otherwise, you'll go to prison. You'll go to, you <laughs> know, you'll get killed. Yeah. You'll well, yeah. I mean, like well, in the UK, you can, they don't have a lot of these dyes and right, you know, just,
0: right. Yeah, so it's so funny, you know. The FDA, you know, is so influenced by the the food industry. Um, and and I was once with the uh, the, the former uh, head of the Federal Drug Administration, Food and Drug Administration, uh, Peggy Hammer. Former, former. She, she was she was you know, she, but then she was the FDA commissioner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but now she's the former. And I was at the World Economic Forum. I said, Peggy, how, how come, um, you know, we have uh, so much trouble with, with uh, getting advances in food labeling or dealing with toxic uh-huh. chemicals in our food or the antibiotics in animal feed or, you know, it's like, she's like, well, uh, when we try to make too aggressive change, Congress threatens to shut down our funding because of the food lobby. They threaten to f- shut it down? Yeah. And then what? If Just, they shut it down, what would happen? Well, they, they're limited in their ability to do their job. And oh, so the man. FTC, the same thing happened. In the 70s, there was a movement by the Federal Trade Commission to have, uh, you know, negative, edu- I, mean, positive, I mean, education campaigns around sugar and how bad it was. But the Congress says, we're gonna pull all your funding and shut you down if you, if you do this. And so they pull back. So, so uh, nice. you, know, in, in, you know, for example, you asked a question about Asia. Uh, We have this thing called grass, which is generally recognized as safe. So, the food additives we have, you know, we have, you know, thousands of food additives. Um, Only about 5% have actually been tested for safety in the US. Some of them are grandfathered in, right? Like, so Crisco, for example, trans fat was grandfathered in as a safe food to eat. But it took 50 years for researchers to finally prove to the FDA that it wasn't safe because it was the basis of all processed food, right? Crisco shortening. You know, it shortens your life. <laughs> like, oh, my it. gosh. And, and so they, they, they literally had to be sued by a scientist in order to actually turn it into a non-safe substance. Exactly. And then, they, of course, they gave their food industry years and years to get it out of the food. So it's, right. But 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 in this country, there's so many things that are used in our food supply that are banned in Europe, like BHT, hydroxy hydroxytoluene, food additives. Uh, various dyes and something called azodicarbonamide which is a th- softener that makes like bread more like fluffy and soft yeah, yeah. and it was used in Subway Sandwich our friend Vani Hari outed them and said this is your yoga mat material in your Subway Sandwich and they got it to and pretended right? to eat her Yeah, and she got it out but the FDA still says it's fine to eat Right. and in Singapore if you use it and you're a food producer, you get a $450,000 fine and 15 years in jail for putting it in the food. That same ingredient. The same ingredient. That anyone can use in the U.S. right now. In the now. U.S., yes. And most of the things that are safe, quote, safe here are banned in Europe. So it's like, yeah, they're not doing their job. And then antibiotics, you know, we have 30 million pounds of antibiotics are used in animal feed, we about 37 million total. So about 7 million for humans to treat disease and 30 million for animals, why? for growth. It's a growth factor. Right. It makes them fat and it makes humans fat too. And it is used for prevention of, from overcrowding. And, and the FDA says, well, this isn't a good idea. I mean, nobody thinks it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but they go, well, would you please, pretty please not do it? It was a voluntary guideline that the FDA produced. Not mandatory. Please don't do it, yeah. You have to have a vet certify that the animal's sick before you give them antibiotics. Oh man. And now they, they they you know continue to do it and just laugh, you know they had voluntary the the the, the um, FDA uh, FTC put in voluntary guidelines around junk food marketing. Would you pretty please not advertise the bad stuff and advertise more good stuff? It was just voluntary, and the food industry went ballistic and had it overturned. So even the voluntary guidelines are nullified. Like no, wow, mm, and it just
1: it's. I mean it. sugar. I mean it's like. I'm the first one to raise my hand when I say like I love sugar and it's my everybody's biggest does. vice, right? Like, I does. love cookies and candies and cakes and brownies and anything you can think of. I love it, right? You know, we programmed. I don't know why sugar. I don't have diabetes. I have so much sugar I've had in my whole life, but well, you can't I can't be having that much because you look pretty good. <laughs> well, I train hard too, right? I go the waves, and but as a kid I would drink like nine, ten Dr. Peppers a day. I remember what. Like some days in the summer, you're just you sit around. You could have been president. not what our president <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. But I would just, I mean, I would run around and and work out and play sports, but then yeah. I would just drink.
0: Because yeah. I thought that's like what was on 18, TV. You were 16, 18. You
1: now like, I was like 9, 10, right? So wow. I was like, but it was, you'd see it on commercials, like your NBA superstar yeah. drinking yeah. Dr. Pepper or Sprite yeah. or whatever after on the basketball court. And I don't know if it was just like subconscious or just it tasted good and you didn't think about it. it well, just- they,
0: all, I mean, this is where the food industry is so, I mean, I talk about it in my book, Food Facts, but the yeah. food industry is so strategic about how it advances its mission and goals. And it does it through multiple channels. And I, I'm just gonna go through them because it just, people just don't know. The celebrity first, endorsements, right? Yeah, you know, first, you know, obviously, you know, celebrity endorsements, which is the obvious one. They co-op social groups. So they they fund yeah. groups like the NAACP and Hispanic Federation. The you know African American and Latino communities are the most affected by diabetes mm. and obesity, and they co-opt them by funding them. I, I want to show the movie Fed Up at yeah. the King Center in Atlanta, and Bernice King, Martin Luther King's daughter, was all about it and she was excited. But once uh, once we got it scheduled a few days later, I got a call that we couldn't show it. I'm like, why? She's because Coca Cola funds the King Center. No. Yeah. I went to Spelman College, you know, which is African American women's college in Atlanta, and the dean said to me, "Half of the 18-year-olds coming into college have a chronic illness: mm. obesity, hypertension, diabetes. 18-year-old women." And I'm like, "Why is there soda machines all over the campus? Why?" just because Coke funds. No. And one of the wow. one of the people on the board of trustees is one of the highest executives I at Coca Cola. Oh man, an African American woman. It's like so they co-op social groups. And that's why they, for example, oppose soda taxes, because they're, they're in, the, you know, in the funding of these, these big soda companies. And then, of course, they, they fund research. So they fund 12 times as much research, $12 billion worth of research a year to study nutrition. So Gatorade gets studied by Pepsi. <laughs> really? Gatorade's the best thing in the world. It's not. It's just sugar, right? Or, right. You know, right, right, right. So it corrupts and pollutes science, so people are confused. Why is there so much confusion about nutrition science? Third, they, you know, they create front groups, they call them spin doctors. So they create front groups that seem like they're independent groups, like Crop Life, yeah, or you know, like the Center it. for Consumer Freedom, right, or the American Council on uh, Science and Health, which, by the way, is uh, run by a bunch of doctors who suggest that uh, pesticides are safe, that high fructose corn is great for you, that uh, smoking isn't cause disease, and you know, <laughs> why like, do they do, Why would they do that? Because they get paid a lot. They're funded by Monsanto and Big Food and Pepsi. You just look at their funders. And they're I mean, they spent $30 million fighting GMO labeling in California, this wow. front group. It was all funded by Monsanto, right? And then you, so we got these front groups and then you have um, them co-opting scientists and academies. So the nutrition academies, the American Heart Association, American Diabetes Association, their funding in large part comes from industry. And and so the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, which is our main nutrition association, 40% of their funding comes from the food industry. Mm. You know, they they have sponsored, you know, lectures at their meetings that are, you know, with people saying, well, high fructose corn syrup is good and diet drinks are good, and like right. it's just completely corrupted. And so these professional societies give guidelines and they're they're corrupt. And Dr. Ionides from Stanford, who's a And a scientist who looks at carefully at the research and and conflicts of interest says, you know, these professional societies like the American Heart Association and Diabetes Association should not be making guidelines.
1: Range Rover Sport leads by example. Picture this already included but you don't take yada yada in life so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide
0: and then so you've got all these ways in which they sort of screw things up and then of course they they they're aggressive in advertising and marketing Mm. which is illegal in most countries and then they have lobbyists running around washington driving policy that Supports all of what they do, so you, you've got this massive effort, and and it's often subversive and illegal.
1: Fixing the heart medically can only take you so far. Yeah, that's we, right. We have to fix something else, and what is that?
3: Well, you got to fix you know why, for instance, you got heart disease in the first place, and. Um, I was taught as all my colleagues were taught that heart disease is kind of inevitable that you know that's the leading cause of death for both men and women it's inevitable for all of us for, yeah pretty much that's what we that's were taught some point yeah and then even if you get it let's say you get coronary artery disease that the best we can do is slow it down mm-hmm. to slow the progression and what I realized, thanks to Big Ed, who I talk about in all my books, who reversed his coronary artery disease. This uh, is a man who had a hundred. He was a hundred pounds overweight. Yeah, was, yeah, he was. He was really overweight. He was he, late, late forties. He had inoperable coronary artery disease. Everything was clogged up, wow. and, and this guy went. And so you went. You opened him up. You no, looked, I well, I, he had gone to. Six different centers in the United States saying, you know, do something. And everybody who saw him said, uh, well, no, there's no place to do bypasses. There's no place to do stents because everything's clogged up. Have a nice day. And so this guy spent about six months doing this. And um, he went on a diet during this time and he went to a health food store and he bought a bunch of supplements, kind of willy nilly, quite frankly. And so when I met him, he was still a huge guy who weighed 265 pounds. And he brings me his angiogram, the movie of his heart from Miami, Florida. And I look at it and I go, you know, uh, I agree with everybody else. There's nothing right. I'm going to do for you. And he says, well, yeah, that's what everybody says. But here's the deal. You know, I've gone on this diet. I have lost 45 pounds in the last six months. And I've taken all these supplements. And, you know, maybe I did something in here, you know, and I'm scratching my professor. So the video was from six months prior. Prior. Wow. Okay. And I said, well, good for you for losing weight. <laughs> and, you know, I know, went, know what you did with those supplements. You made expensive urine, which I right, fully right. believed. And he said, well, you know, why don't we do another angiogram? You know, what would it hurt? So I go, you yeah, don't get your hopes up. But, okay, so this guy has cleaned out. In six months' time, half the blockages in his coronary artery, mm. you know, gone, shrunk. And you go, I've never seen this before. That, you know, that that doesn't happen. Um, and so... Which so was what, after 30 years of doing this? After oh, yeah, 35 yeah, years? yeah, yeah, yeah. And that doesn't happen. You know, come on. That's impossible. You don't clean things out. The only way to clean it out is through surgery. Right. Yeah, or put a stent in. Wow. So uh, let me give you an example. And this is kind of off the subject. Um, so if you work out with weights and you happen to wear a wet, wedding ring uh-huh. or an aura ring, you get calluses, right? Yes. So calluses are your body's response to protecting itself against an irritation. And you build up layers <laughs> and layers. And yes. uh, right. So it turns out that these plaques inside arteries is a response to an irritation. Mm. And you build up calluses. calluses. And think about it, if I took off this ring and started working out with weights, uh, this callus would go away Mm. because there's no longer any irritation. And what Big Ed showed me was he had removed the irritation <clears throat> so he no longer needed calluses and so starts his heart it, started to heal and it literally goes away and so that's what i've been doing for the last 20 years is teaching people how to remove the irritation to the inside of their blood vessels and the calluses miraculously go away they don't miraculously go away you don't need them anymore right jacqueline used to have this expression is that if it tastes good spit it out mm-hmm. He actually meant that you should not be eating for this two-inch by three-inch piece of muscle, your tongue, but you should be eating for the microbiome, for the bacteria, and all the other cute little viruses that actually live in your gut, live in your mouth, live on your skin. And if you eat for them, they will take care of you because mm-hmm. you are actually their home. We're merely a condominium for bugs. And and how many bugs do we have on our body or in so, us? Yeah, we have time? well over a hundred trillion uh, bacteria. At, since the Human Microbiome Project was you know, finished about five years ago now, I mean, we didn't know that these guys really existed. Um, in fact, Dr. David uh, Kessler, who was head of the FDA mm. in the Reagan years, who made the um, guidelines for the labels, the labeling laws on the back of packages that you know show saturated mm-hmm. fats and carbohydrates, and the labels, by the way, if we get into this, are completely wrong. Uh-huh. Um, they were forced on the Reagan administration by big food companies. Wow. And so, anyhow, you, if you feed bacteria what they want to eat, and that's all in the longevity paradox, they will take care of you. They will not... They'll take care of the wall, the lining of your gut, and they—you will not actually age, mm. which is kind of cool. So, if you take care
1: of, of the, them, of the bugs in your body, you will not age. Right.
3: So you got a hundred trillion bacteria. You have over 10,000 different species of bacteria. And just last year, they discovered another 1,000, so who knows. Right. So 99% of the genetic material that exists in you and me is non-human genetic material. We're only, our genes are actually so unimportant, it's kind of (laughs) humorous. And when people take a family history, what they're actually finding out is if you if your parents taught you how to eat, and most people's parents teach the kids how to eat, and your parents had diabetes, or your parents had high blood pressure, or your parents had coronary artery disease, and you ate like your parents did, the odds are that you will do that. Right for two reasons, the food choices that you made, but more importantly, you inherited your bacteria mm. from your parents and actually your siblings. And so it's not the genes of your parents that mean you are susceptible to
1: heart disease or um, Alzheimer's or whatever, right? It's not the genes of your parents, it's typically the, the foods they ate that you're probably eating the exact same foods that cause the same type of problems.
3: Correct. Yeah, I mean there are there's there is an Alzheimer's gene, and my program, according to Dale Bredesen, is the best way not to activate that gene. Um, And there are certain genes that people inherit that make the world's meanest, nastiest, stickiest cholesterol that most doctors don't even measure. And oh, by the way, if you're prescribed a statin drug, um, you know, a lipid-lowering drug, mm-hmm. it actually worsens the, this other particle. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, there are genes, but there's such a small part. Uh, Nature magazine had a big article in late 2018, uh, I think proving that only about 7 or 8% of what will happen to us is based on our genes and 97 or 98 percent of what's going to happen to us is based on our environment and our food choices yeah, and our decisions our yeah. decisions
1: yeah now you said we can you
3: know aging is essentially a choice is what i'm
1: hearing you say but if someone watching this saying well dr gundry you've got white hair you look older than when you were 10 years old so yes how, how can <laughs> so how can how can you say that you're you can eat certain things that can reverse aging or can make you not age when you look older than when you were younger.
3: That's so. true, I, I'm definitely chronologically o- older. But uh, recently on my uh, podcast, uh, I had Dr. Terry Walls who uh, I think is very famous, rightfully so, for reversing her MS for multiple wow. yeah, sclerosis. Uh, and she did it via diet. Uh, she did it initially by eating nine cups of vegetables a day. Mm. And uh, I I dare people to try to eat nine cups of vegetables a, of fiber, a day. Right? A, lot, <laughs> a lot of fiber, right? A lot lot of fiber. And we'll, we'll get back to fiber because I think that's probably the key. And this is actually what Jacqueline was trying to say. If it tastes good, spit it out. And Terry became famous for telling people that uh, she... When you look in the toilet every morning, you should see a very large coiled snake looking back up at you. (laughs) And in fact, in in the plant paradox, uh, in the the original manuscript, I had said, When you look in the toilet, you should see a giant anaconda looking back up at you. (laughs) And my editor, uh, Julie Wills, called me up and said, uh, do you know there's a movie where yeah, an anaconda is coming, the <laughs> yeah, coming out, coming out of the toilet? And I said, "Oh, yeah." She said, "I don't think we want that visual yeah, yeah. in your book." And she said, Wait, "Let's let's take that out." <laughs> so, but what we didn't know, what you you didn't know, I didn't know, is that that giant coiled snake is not the fiber and the roughage mm. that we ate. It's actually bacteria that have eaten the fiber. No way. And re- Bacteria inside of us? Oh, yeah. That's coming out. That's coming out. So most of your oh poop gosh. is, if you will, baby bacteria. No way. And so the more... So we want to get the bacteria out of us? Well, no, you want them to grow and prosper. And the more they grow <laughs> and prosper... It sounds like a, aliens in our body. It's like, you like you know, beauty you're, you're absolutely right. And... One of the things that is kind of hard to embrace is we, we probably only exist as a place for bacteria to live on Earth. Wow. And, and you know, intelligence. So if there was no bacteria inside of us. We're done. We would die. So we know that we can breed germ-free mice. An interesting fun fact that I put in the longevity paradox, my fifth grade science project was to build a germ-free mouse environment. This was in 1960. Um, And so this isn't my first rodeo. so so we can build we can raise germ-free mice that have no bacteria in them have no bugs in them and they live short lives really they have horrible immune systems they get sick they they get sick yeah and they so they're a basis of so much of what we know and so you can so bacteria are incredibly important and we know now that these bacteria actually teach our immune system from day one in fact scary we used to think that the placenta where the you know the baby the womb the uterus that feeds the baby is sterile of course it has to be because the baby has to be sterile the placenta is full of bacteria feeding feeding the baby that baby and it safe. turns out that the bacteria in the placenta actually give information to the baby's immune system before the baby even pops out of the womb. And so the we
1: made ba- these viruses, these we, good viruses. We need
3: these viruses and bacteria. We need them. Hmm. And in in fact, fun fact, long ago, the only way to treat bacterial infections were viruses that could actually infect bacteria and kill viruses. And, Eli Lilly Company from Indianapolis got its start, this giant pharmaceutical company, as what's called a bacteriophage company. Bacteriophages are viruses that infect bacteria. And it turns out that viruses uh, actually are really useful in us as well. We have Mm. trillions and trillions and trillions of viruses in us right now. What's the difference between a good virus and a bad virus? if the good virus is doing what it's supposed to do. Um, okay, let's, let's do a deep dive into microbiology. Okay, and what is the definition of virus? Okay, so a virus <clears throat> is probably the s- smallest reproducible form of life, however we want to define life. <clears throat> So most living things are capable of reproducing themselves one way or another, Mm. dividing or Multiplying. multiplying one way or another. Just like humans. Exactly. So a virus unfortunately has to have, cannot replicate itself it has to borrow another cell and take over the cell's machinery to manufacture more copies of viruses. Mm. And that's how they get reproduced. But in the end, every living creature is here just to make a new copy. And you you and I... Damn. only only exists uh, was to make a new copy. Wow. And, you know, I hopefully actually only exist so my bacteria can make new copies of them themselves.
1: Blood sugar management or control is one of the key factors of either being healthy or potentially linking to one of these other, I guess, diseases, is that right?
4: That's right, yeah. And, and what it really comes down to which kind of gets at your question of what is metabolism? Um, metabolism is fundamentally the way that we make energy okay. in the body. So we eat food, and you know, food has um, you know fat and glucose in it. And either fat or glucose, glucose is sugar, can be used to convert into a type of energy that our cells can use, which is called ATP. So we take in this substrate, but we have to convert it through our mitochondria in our cells to a form of energy we can use, a right. currency that our body understands and can use. That process of conversion is metabolism. And this is happening in every single one of the 37 trillion cells in our body. And it has to work properly. So for-
1: break, break it down for me then. Fat or glucose, uh, or I guess carbohydrates, enters the body through the foods we're eating, right? Yep. What happens after that? How, how is it processed in the body, through the cells, through the mitochondria? How is it processed?
4: Yeah. So looking at carbohydrates, for instance, um, they go into our digestive tract. They're broken down and absorbed into the bloodstream, broken down into simple sugars um, like glucose and fructose. Um, these go into the bloodstream. And let's say we're talking about glucose, which is blood sugar. This signals to the body... Um, it's particularly an, uh, an organ called the pancreas to release insulin, which is a hormone. That hormone allows you to take that sugar out of the bloodstream through the cell membrane into the cell. Once it's inside the cell, um, it's broken down even further and then goes into the mitochondria uh, to be go through a chemical processing that then creates ATP, which is this molecule that can be then used to essentially power all the millions of cellular processes that are happening every second. So
1: ATP is the power, is the fuel?
4: It's the fuel, it's the battery in our body.
1: Okay, and so the way it's processed, is it based on the foods we eat, whether it be fat or sugar that comes through, does that determine how the quality of the energy, or what does that mean within, is it all equally the same when it converts an ATP or?
4: Well, I think the way to think about it is to really focus on the mitochondria. This is the energy factory of the cell, this is the powerhouse of the cell. And the thing that people really need to understand is that our diet and our lifestyle in the modern Western world, so past 50 to 100 years, so much of it is actually damaging the mitochondria of our cell and creating problems in that conversion process. So, for instance, when we eat too much sugar, okay, and these days the average American is eating a
1: lot of sugar, like
4: a hundred times more than we were like a hundred years ago and through the rest of human history. It's like this massive overload of this substrate. What that does is it causes stress on the mitochondria and creates damage. And one analogy I sometimes use is like, imagine you had a factory that was making something like, like cheese and like all of a sudden you get like a hundred times more of like the raw product, like milk, delivered to the factory. The the workers would be like, We don't know where to put this, we can't work. Like they go on strike, there's nowhere to store it, there's no mm. refrigerators, it would all go bad. All of a sudden you actually produce less cheese, even though you have more substrate, you know, and so it's like we are giving so much of the substrate to the body that it's gumming up the system, it's breaking down the factory and creating problems. And the molecular way this is happening is that each time you have these glucose spikes from eating these refined products or added sugars, your body's releasing more of that insulin. It's saying, okay, more glucose in the bloodstream, so we have to produce more insulin to get it out of the bloodstream. And over time, the body sees all this insulin circulating and it's like, we can't bring more of this into the cell. There's too much. And so it actually puts up a block, which is called insulin resistance, which is that cellular process that leads you towards problems like diabetes.
1: When you want the best, you have to act quickly
2: ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. You see where your business can go. To get there, you may need another 10 trucks. At Century Insurance... We put more than 115 years of industry experience to work to help protect you as you launch a new delivery service or expand into a new region and reach your business goals. Century, right by you. Property and casualty coverages and render written and safety services are provided by a member of the Century Insurance Group, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. For a complete listing of companies, visit Century.com. Policies, coverages, benefits, and discounts are not available on all states. See policy for complete coverage details.
4: And so what's happening now is the body- And that's
1: why you're storing fat or you're storing other dead cells that you don't need to keep in the body, I guess, right? Right,
4: because insulin is the signal saying tons of glucose around for energy, so we don't need to burn fat for energy. So insulin is also a block on fat burning. So it's this chemical signal Uh saying too much glucose around, blocking it from getting into the cell, and also telling the body not to burn fat. So of course, for people who are dealing with- um, trouble losing weight? Insulin is the hormone we a hormone we really, really Eta. need to be um, thinking about. And so we we reduce our insulin sensitivity. Um, now we have lots of uh, glucose circulating in the bloodstream, but it's not able to efficiently get into the cell. And um, and then you've got all these other things that can hurt our mitochondria. And and really, a mitochondria energy centric view of health can really help us. Some other things that can hurt the mitochondria are oxidative stress. So I know you talked about this Mm -hmm. a little bit on the podcast with David Perlmutter, but um, aside from glucose, eating too much fructose, so this comes with like sodas or fruit juice or things that have really high concentration of fructose, it's not going to actually stimulate insulin in the way that glucose does, but what it does is it goes into the cell and it's converted into something called uric acid, Mm -hmm. and that uric acid creates oxidative stress, which is sort of this sort of damaging reactive molecule in the mitochondria and creates mitochondrial damage. So now again, you've got more trouble processing energy the mitochondria. Environmental toxins are actually a huge problem as well. They can directly damage the machinery of the mitochondria. So we're thinking about things like pesticides and a lot of the fragrances in our personal care mm. products and a lot of the, the you know fragrances and chemicals in our home care products. Mm-hmm. These things actually go into our bodies, damage our mitochondria, make it difficult to produce energy. Um, effectively chronic stress can damage our mitochondria sure. through cortisol and through our stress hormones so it's it's interesting to think about how all these different aspects of modern life fundamentally feed down into damaging this precious part of our cell that creates energy
1: so blood sugar management and metabolism management is that right so mm-hmm. the main things we should think about how does blood sugar and metabolism work together
4: yeah so So the way that those sort of things link up is that if your blood sugar is quite erratic, like let's say it's going up and down in big spikes and valleys. Every day,
1: yeah. You're having lots of sugar. You're you're just eating poorly. You're stressed. You're overwhelmed.
4: Yeah. and, And the majority of foods on the shelves in our grocery stores now have added sugar, like well over 60%. So it's not unusual for an American to be on that blood sugar roller coaster up, down, up, down, up, down and that's called glycemic variability. Mm-hmm. And that process of glycemic variability is very damaging to our metabolism through the through the mechanisms you know we spoke about of causing insulin resistance by stressing the body to make too much insulin over and over. But that those high blood sugar spikes in their own right Um, can cause damage as well. When your blood sugar acutely goes really high, like after eating a Pop-Tart or eating a pastry or something like that, or a big bowl of pasta, that spike can lead to inflammation. It can lead to oxidative stress um, because of the way that it's overwhelming our systems and creating free radicals. It can also cause a a process called glycation, Mm. which is where sugar sticks to things in the body. Um, and so if you, if you can imagine, if your concentration of blood sugar is really high, it's kind of going to just stick to things more, right. like your blood vessels and proteins. And that's not good. That, that, that's like a signal for the body that something's wrong. And so um, all of these things kind of coalesce to just creating problems. So the more that we can minimize our glycemic variability and go from spikes and valleys to more gentle rolling hills... Mm. The better we are, the better we're going to basically be treating uh, our cells. And it's not just um, it's not just the sort of like cellular optimization we're trying to do. It's also the way you you feel. I think a lot of us have had that experience where we have a really high carb meal, a big dessert, and we feel like we kind of have a crash afterwards. It's like that post meal crash. We feel lethargic. Like we may need to have another cup of coffee or. Or even feel jittery after mm-hmm. it, like a big high carb meal. Um, that's we really understand how that works. The body sees a huge load of glucose from a high carb meal. The body then surges out that insulin, mm. overcompensate, soaks up all that glucose, and you crash. And in that crash state is when we feel fatigue, it's potentially some anxiety, and it's when people usually feel cravings. So by learning, you want more. When you crash. want more to bring yourself back up because you've kind of crashed so and then you're up and on down, the vicious up and, cycle yeah. and i think the majority of american bodies are on that cycle because you think about what we eat it's like breakfast it's cereal juice toast mm-hmm. pop tarts pastries you know sweetened coffee beverages that's all refined sugar and refined grains then you go to lunch and it's bread tortillas wraps chips you know all of that stuff and then you go to dinner pasta potatoes whatever and then it's and then it's dessert and it's like if you're, not, if you're just going along the normal American cultural treadmill of what's normal to eat, you're on a glucose roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And that means that your day might be highly labile in terms of the energy, uh, mood, performance, cravings. And so learning just simple ways to, to balance out that glucose roller coaster can be an amazing life hack.
1: I hope you enjoyed today's episode and it inspired you on your journey towards greatness. Make sure to check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's episode with all the important links. And if you want weekly exclusive bonus episodes with me personally, as well as ad-free listening, then make sure to subscribe to our Greatness Plus channel exclusively on Apple Podcasts. Share this with a friend on social media and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts as well. Let me know what you enjoyed about this episode episode in that review. I really love hearing feedback from you, and it helps us figure out how we can support and serve you moving forward. And I want to remind you, if no one has told you lately, that you are loved, you are worthy, and you matter. And now it's time to go out there and do something great.
2: You see where your business can go. To get there, you may need another 10 trucks. At Century Insurance, we put more than 115 years of industry experience to work to help protect you as you launch a new delivery service or expand into a new region and reach your business goals. Century, right by you. Property and casualty coverages and render written and safety services are provided by a member of the Century Insurance Group, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. For a complete listing of companies, visit Century.com. Policies, coverages, benefits, and discounts are not available on all states. See policy for complete coverage details.